0: Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's so good to see all of you this evening and to once again have the opportunity to study with you some things that are very important to all of us. This is called a Vacation Bible School, and you may think you're a little more in school this week uh, with these topics than uh, you may ordinarily uh, feel when you are sitting in this building. Uh, These studies... uh, will be uh, somewhat uh, different from the textual type studies that uh, we usually do in sermons. But I think they are very important, and I'm so glad that uh, I have the opportunity to have a part in this with you, and I appreciate being asked to come uh, so very much. We'll need to get right into what we are doing here this evening. and uh, So I'm going to ask you to begin with me in the very opening words of the Bible, you know there are so many of today's issues that are discussed in the first three chapters of Genesis. It's amazing, actually, how much uh, of the current issues uh, that we deal with uh, are found there. Uh, Things uh, having to do with Evolution, creation, intelligent design, all of that is there. Uh, there are uh, issues uh, concerning the nature of man uh, there. Uh, some of the animal rights issues that we deal with or dealt with uh, as God uh, expresses how we're created in the beginning as human beings as opposed to the animal creation, and uh, God uh, set out the roles for men and women. Those social issues are all addressed in those first three chapters. Marriage and divorce and remarriage. All of that is addressed in the very first chapters of the Bible. It's amazing how much God put right at the start of everything. And so he did in our uh, study. In the beginning, God created the heavens, and the earth. And we'll be unashamed in beginning that way and ending that way in our classes uh, this week uh, because that's what we so firmly uh, believe. The questions uh, that come up are, are quite interesting. I guess the number one question that we're going to be interested in will be, where did all things come from? And more importantly, I suppose, we'll be asking, where did I come from? Where did man arise? And, of course, we know the biblical answers to that. In the beginning, God created all of these things. And I think you can uh, see that from these uh, verses in the very first chapter of the Bible, that set forth the order of uh, not only human existence, but life on this earth. And uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this chart because all you have to do is look to the windows and you know uh, what was created on each day. But I will say to you that as you look at Uh, this list that you see on the screen here of uh, creation and the order in which God brought all of these things into existence, you do see that all the branches of science, the natural sciences I'm talking about here, uh, the behavioral sciences are dealt with as you go on through the Bible. The natural sciences are introduced right here in the beginning, and you see uh, geology, you see astrology, uh, botany, zoology, all the basic chemistry, all of the basic sciences really find their beginnings right here. And we'll be talking about uh, some of the science issues as we go along. Uh, We have to, I think, to deal with the topics that we've been assigned. So we'll do a little bit of biochemistry uh, toward the end of our uh, lesson tonight. Uh, We'll talk about um, the earth sciences uh, tomorrow evening and a little bit about astrology. And uh, on Wednesday night we'll talk just a little bit about uh, uh, geology and the fossil record and so on. And then uh, we'll come back. To our zoology and biochemistry uh, issues uh, on Thursday night and explore uh, a little bit more what I consider to be some of the strongest evidence that science has for uh, intelligent design creation of uh, this universe. As you look at the Bible, uh, I think you will see. That much is assumed in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And uh, the assumption is that God exists in that. Uh, The assumption uh, is that God is the originator, the planner and the designer of all of this. That is not argued very much, is it? In the, in the beginning of the biblical text. As you go through the Bible, it seems that the argument of Scripture that, uh, that we use is the argument from design. God's design in the things that he has made is the way that this is often presented Now, we could talk internally from from biblical internal evidences about prophecy. Moses, of course, had uh, the gift of prophecy and was able to speak prophetically so that the people could see that. And we could argue from the miraculous, from the Bible point of view, because those who wrote the biblical text Uh, in many cases at least, were exercising miraculous power given to them by God. Moses, of course, had led the people across the Red Sea. They knew that God existed because they had seen the evidence of that and the powerful miracles that had been done. And so there was no question when he began to write Genesis chapter 1 and he said, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, that there is a God. There was no question with those Israelites about that. They knew that there is a God because they had seen His power in liberating them from the Egyptians and taking them across the Red Sea and giving them water and feeding them manna and doing all of those wonderful things that He had done in the period of uh, the 40 years that they had been under the leadership of Moses. So, there are... Assumptions made, I think, biblically, based on those kinds of other evidences. But when we get to uh, those of us later, we're asked to believe the testimony of those who were there. And then we're asked to see the design of God in the universe. The heavens declare the glory of God the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night declares not. Isn't that the argument from the design of what you see around you? And Paul does the same thing in the New Testament in Romans 1, verse 20, says that the invisible attributes of God are clearly seen, being understood, by the things that are made, so there there is uh, the the argument from intelligent design, and I think that's what we're going to stay with primarily, and uh, we'll let uh, Edward talk to you uh, uh, all along about the internal design uh, uh, or the internal evidences of scripture uh, as we go along. We are here to talk about how people deny these truths from God's revelation. We believe, of course, that God was the only one there when it all began, don't we? And therefore, he is the one to tell us about it. And when he tells us about it, we accept that and believe it. But many of our scientific uh, friends and school teachers uh, will not accept his explanation, God's explanation for what he has done. And so we have to uh, begin looking at some other uh, possibilities uh, from their point of view, some other arguments, I, I might say, some other. Evidence. Uh, let me say to you that it is important for us to make good judgments, to use our heads as well as our hearts, uh, to have our faith to stand on that which is solid and that which is firm. There is intelligent design on the one hand, and there is uh, what we sometimes call macro evolution. on the other hand, where everything arose uh, naturally through natural processes. And so we have to determine which of those do you believe. And we look at the evidence. And the evidence that we have are the facts of nature. God has uh, revealed Himself in His Word and in His world. And it is ours uh, to be fair with the evidence that is out there and to be reasonable and to ask ourselves, what is more reasonable to believe? Is it more reasonable to believe that God is... Or is it more reasonable to believe that all this just came into being by chance? That's that's our option, isn't it? As we look, you all can shake your head. I noticed this yesterday. You just stare at the preacher. Uh, amen. Here, uh, let's let's. Uh, be involved, particularly since this is the Vacation Bible School. You don't have to holler at me or anything like that, but you can shake your head uh, if you'd like as we go along. And uh, uh, let, me, let me just pick this back up now. Obviously, as I said a while ago, I believe in God, but I must be honest with the evidence. I must be honest with science science that is true science. Now, that doesn't mean that I have to accept every theory that comes along. I must be honest with what is proven, what is established scientific fact. And I know that uh, you get into all kinds of definitions with science teachers, about what is science. But when I talk about science, I talk about that which is provable, that which is seen by the evidence, and then we go from there. Scientists are supposed to see things totally objectively. Not all do that. Some of that is because of peer pressure in their uh, among their peers as scientists, and part of that is uh, because of philosophy. If I take the philosophy that everything arose naturally and nothing ever came about supernaturally, that's a philosophical position that is posited by a, a teacher or, or, a, or a, a student of science or whatever. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not obligated to accept all of those theories All of those suppositions. But I do have to deal fairly as an honest person with what is proved science. And I think all of us would agree that that is is the case. Now, I want you to look with me, uh, as I have on the screen here, at uh, four uh, possibilities regarding uh life and its origins particularly human life we'll we'll focus there for a moment so we'll leave that tonight and go back to that on Thursday some say that we well really no credible scientific scientific adherents or even religious adherents will take this but A possibility is that I might trace my origin to human ancestors who have their origin from human ancestors, who have theirs from human ancestors, and just infinitely we go back. Humans have always existed. As I say, I don't think anybody takes that position. Nobody says that human beings have always existed, that man is eternal. I don't know anybody credible, that thinks that man is eternal. All are going to say man had beginning, somewhere along the way. So, from a biblical point of view, what I do is I trace my origin to human ancestors, to earlier human ancestors, who were created as the first human beings. That's a second option that I might have on this. Now, another group might say, I trace my origin to human ancestors, back to non human ancestors, to lower forms of life, to either created living cells or to non living matter that was created. That's the theistic evolution position, you see, that God created something from which man came. So that's a third option. And then, finally, one might say, I trace my origins to human ancestors, to non-human ancestors, to lower forms of life, to non-living matter, which has existed forever. And ultimately, that's the position. Of macro evolution. There'll be variations on that, but that's basically the position of macro evolution. Most macro evolutionists now accept that the origin of the material universe as we know it resulted from the massive explosion of a small amount of compacted matter and energy, matter and energy exploding in what we call the Big Bang. I'll talk to you about that a little more. Uh, when is that? Whatever night we talk about the universe and, and uh, the earth. Sciences. All right? Uh, maybe we should stop here for just a moment and define a couple of terms so we understand what we believe and what we don't believe. I have used the term macroevolution. Macro means big. So the total evolution, the macroevolution is a term applied to the sources or the origins of new species of organisms. It even reaches to the origins. Of life itself. So, if we talk about macro evolution, we're talking about how things began, and they're all coming. Everything, the big picture, coming by evolution. And of course, as we've said, some begin that uh, uh, believe that life began from non-living a matter. Well, that's macro. Evolution. Now, microevolution, micro is small, of course, so microevolution has to do with changes in existing species of organisms, and this includes development through uh, breeding. I don't know if any of you all, anybody here a farmer or a herdsman of any kind? going to uh, breed your uh, Angus stock and you want to get a really good bull, right? So you'll have really good calves. And uh, hopefully the best of that will generate through the generations as you go along. None of us denies that you can breed certain that you can improve uh, certain groups or that you can uh, develop a a cockapoo from two dogs different. Cocktail dogs, cockers and uh, poodles. You can put them together. You can make a cockapoo. Nobody denies that. And none of us denies that there can be some uh, differences in, uh, let's say, uh, a couple, uh, a half an inch uh, taller group of people in a certain place on Earth because of the breeding of those persons together. None of us denies that. So we're talking this week about macro evolution. You're talking about where everything came from. And the questions come down to this. Natural causes for life, life in all its forms, the naturalist would say, emerge from simple non-living substances by natural means. You've all heard these stories, theories about pools. Uh, in the sand at the edge of the seashore where everything got started. And life began there. That's macro evolution, Darwinian style. The other option is intelligent design, isn't it? The other option is that life is the result of an intelligent creator intelligently creating what is made. And was, and that uh, life was bestowed upon matter. Matter was acted upon by an external intelligent designer. Now, the question is which is more reasonable? And that's what we're going to be looking at. Now, some atheistic scientists posit that if you bring intelligence into the picture, you cannot test that scientifically little twist here now, and you all stay with me. Think with me now. But I believe that we observe the evidence of intelligent design in the things that we test every day by scientific means. Just as they say they see evidence of spontaneous macroevolution, I believe that we can see through the tests of the natural sciences design in our universe. And so I'm going to uh, give you a couple of examples of that. Do you see that? How'd that get that way? Let's, let's put a geologist on that. I'm talking about a scientist now. We're going we're to get a real good Ph.D. who's been teaching for a long time. And he looks at that. And what is this good scientist going to say about that? No matter how much time passes, no matter how much weather beats on the rocks, how much erosions take place, how much water runs over it, no legitimate scientist is going to say that that's going to produce the heads of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln right on that mountain in one spot, naturally. So let's get our good scientist now to take a look at this and what he's going to find is evidence of intelligent design. Isn't it? Somebody did that. Somebody with a mind who was thinking and designed that did that to those rocks. And we could, uh, no, uh, we could, we could do that with a number of things that the geologist or the archaeologist is going to deal with. Uh, we could, uh, we could get out our uh, uh, arrowheads that are dug up around here and take them up to Vanderbilt and give them to the scientists up there at Vanderbilt, archaeologists, geologists, and they're going to say there were some Indians out there or somebody was out there making those airheads. Those airheads didn't just become what you see. Intelligent design worked on them. So what does the hard evidence Of science show. Now I'm not talking just about the philosophy of naturalism or the theory of macroevolution. I'm talking about what does the hard science show. Let the philosophy go. Let the whole rest of it go. From both points of view, from our point of view as Christians, let's just look at that. And what do we say? about that. Scientists, archaeologists, anthropologists, they ask these questions and they draw their conclusions every day. So, well, here we do. We go, let's go to Gloucester National Park for a little while and we observe another rock formation out there, raw rock, of the same basic chemical makeup. And what are we going to posit? Run water over it for thousands of years. Let the wind blow on it. Let some of it fall off. Do all kinds of things to it, naturally, that happen in rocks. And let's see how long it takes for it to come out Mount Rushmore. Let's just do that. Okay? I'll give you another example. What what I'm saying to you is now, and, and particularly you young people, you have a right to question your scientific professors about these things and ask them about it. Let's, let's look at forensic science for just a minute because I'm going to talk to you about DNA. Uh, hopefully our time won't run out on us here. Look at the evidence and see if man caused the death of our body here in front of us, you see? We go into a forensics lab, and here's a body lying there. And what do the scientists do with that? Well, their first question, the coroner's going to ask is, was this a natural death, or was this done by somebody, some intelligent being, well, probably not too intelligent if he killed him, but it was this done by somebody, or... Did he just die naturally? Isn't that what it's all about? And science goes to work on that. And you have maybe a zoologist or a chemist or a physicist or a biologist or a natural scientist to examine that body. And he's going to come up with all of this. So this is what we're looking at. And this is the kind of thing that I think we need to be honest with. Now, I'm not going to bore you with a lot of biographical history on Darwin. Darwin. In 1831, Darwin sailed on a planned five-year survey expedition for England on the HMS Beagle to the Galapagos Islands. And there he looked for animals that had never been seen by man before. Spent about a month there. Twenty-five years later, in 1859, he wrote his book, on the origin of the species. And that's had a dramatic effect, of course, on uh, modern scientific study of the origins of man. He called it the origin of the species. That was the name of his book. And in this book, Darwin takes the position that all life is from the same natural source, the product of Undirected, natural forces. And those forces are time and chance and natural selection. That's, that's the heart of Darwin's theory. And next Darwin said, The biological changes which produced life and living forms we see took place over long periods of time, in small changes passed along to the descendants one at a time. Now, we're going to come back to that, but I want you to remember that. The thesis of his book and the thesis of Darwinian macroevolution is basically that the living forms we see took place over long periods of time in small changes passed along to the descendants one at a time, one at a time. Remember that thesis, because we're going to come back to it. Now, much of his theory, not all, of course, is based on 13 species of finch, which he found on the Galapagos Islands. And he attributed the differences in them to evolution. It, one of the major focuses has to do with the beaks on these finches and the ones with longer beaks seem to live longer and survive because they could get down in those rocks along the shore where the other finches couldn't. And, but, but what Darwin did with that was to try to explain the origin of all living things by this. this is uh, his picture of what uh, is sometimes called the tree of life. Very, uh, uh, oh, what's my word? <laughs> well, it's a uh, very primitive kind of a picture, obviously. Haeckel, Ernst Haeckel, uh, has expanded the tree. And it looks kind of like this. And each of those squares up there, which you probably can't read very well, you can if you see the books. You, you see these in your science textbooks. Uh, represents a different... Uh, spe- it looks more like this if we were to uh, draw it out. A picture of uh, the different uh, animal species, but all of them coming from the same origin of life. That's the, that's the kind of the idea. This may make it a little more simplified for you if we were in the elementary uh, classroom. That's what we're going to see. Now, he called that the tree of life. Here's our question. Are we dealing with a tree? Or are we dealing with a forest of trees? Well, I guess I don't have that one. Do I not have that one? All right, I'll just talk to you about it. Are we dealing with a forest of trees? The evolutionary view is a tree that all life came from, a tree from which all the living things arose. One original source. The Bible says that we are created in species. And you can go back and read about this in Genesis chapter 1. Everything after its kind. So each kind is a tree. So are we dealing with a tree of life or are we dealing with the forest that God created? That's that's really our question. And which does the evidence move us toward? And we need to be honest about that. So, okay, let's look at some evidence now that we have just a few minutes uh, to look at. And I started to say it uh, to show you this. Uh, DNA, you hear a lot about DNA. You hear about DNA on CSI. Okay? So, uh, DNA, forensic science, uh, OJ's trial, all of these kinds of things, we're learning uh, that we can, we maybe have some fellows convicted of rape in a, in a prison, and now we find out through the DNA evidence that they're not guilty. Okay? So, very important scientific discovery. It's one of the substances, DNA is, one of the substances in every living cell, and it contains the information of the makeup of that cell. It contains this information in chains that look something like this. And there is sufficient information in those chains of substances to tell the cell what to do to reproduce and to keep the organism alive as it is. To reproduce the cells in your body so that you are you. Each one of these DNA chains is like a veritable encyclopedia. There are basically four different kinds of substances on the sides which interlock with other substances up and down the chains because of the order of those particular sidebars. There's lots of information about that cell and about the organism that it orders. And reproduces. Now it's interesting. That we now know. That DNA is in every living cell. Of every living thing. There is a code. Of how to read DNA. That has been discovered. Forensic science uses this every day. Darwin did not have any idea about DNA. He lived. And wrote in 1831. Now the neat thing about DNA language is that every word has only three letters. And every combination of those three letters means something. It's like all the words in the English language are made up of a combination of 26 letters. But DNA is made up of these letters in sequence. You are made up of proteins and other substances. Proteins are made up of amino acids in chains. And this code is like an alphabet to describe a thing. And it's amazing. The code allows you to build proteins in your body in exactly the right way for your body. And your body is unique. So that your DNA is different from everybody else's. Now, our question is going to be in your wildest imagination, can you reasonably conclude that that just happened? Did it occur naturally? Now there's a lot more complication than that to this whole thing. A lot it gets a lot more interesting. In this code is an amino acid that says start here reading these numbers. And there is another one down here that says stop here. And these these are all and they have to start and stop at the same at the at the right place. And if they don't something goes wrong with the ability to recreate Are you aware of all of that? Now, here's our question. Did that all just happen? Could that have all just happened? How many of these proteins and amino acids and cells are there in your body? Would you like to guess? I can't even tell you. I'm not going to tell you how many there are, but you know there are more than a few. Thousands and thousands of these cells, all of them made up, all of them very carefully guarded by these sequences of letters so that your DNA is just you of all the people in the world. Your DNA and all of it guided by that. That just happened? By natural means. That all came about. Now see, you can talk about birds' beaks all day. But you get into biochemistry and the evidence is design. The evidence does not allow a reasonable person to say, this just happened. And when you see that, further expanded to deal with your mama and your daddy coming together to create these so that we can know for sure who the daddy of Anna Nicole Smith's baby is. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Folks, this did not just happen. And I'm willing to go to science and look at the scientific... I'm not a scientist. My degrees are all in humanities and in administration. They're not in sciences. But I'm not a dummy, and I can look at the scientific evidence, and I can see in the things that are clearly seen the invisible things of God, the mind of God behind this.